Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast with GoVols247.com. Another breaking news edition of the podcast because the best recruiter in all of college athletics, not just college baseball, has continued to stay hot on the recruiting trail and picked up two commitments since we last spoke. And uh, we're starting to get in get into a nice habit of daily podcasts because of how busy Tennessee and Tony V are. Uh, in the transfer portal, and Tony V isn't the only one that deserves credit. Josh Elander and Frank Anderson and players and, and all of the assistants as well on, under those guys' wings, they, they they deserve a ton of credit as well. Um, but first things first, Tennessee picks up two commitments, Will Heflin and Wes Rucker on Tuesday night. They pick up Cannon Peebles, a catcher from NC State, and what a terrific name for a catcher, Cannon mm-hmm. Peebles. Uh, and then – just a moment ago, literally as we we had planned to record this podcast at three o'clock, uh, because we knew the commitment was coming, and at three o'clock, Nate Sneed, a pitcher from Wichita State, has committed to Tennessee as well. So uh, Tennessee now has three commitments in the transfer portal: uh, AJ Causey from Jacksonville State, Cannon Peebles from NC State, and another state, Wichita State, is sending Nate Sneed to Knoxville, and we'll let will lead off since he's the former pitcher uh well you can take it where you want to will because technically peebles from nc state committed first if you'd like to talk about him first because he committed first go that way if you'd rather talk about the pitcher because you're biased and only want to talk about pitching then you can talk about sneed from wichita state but here's the the simple fact both of these guys are studs yes they are and i'll go uh catcher first just to uh disprove the narrative um switch hitter correct me if i'm wrong um absolutely raked lefties in the atlantic coastal conference last year i believe he hit over 400 um from the right side of the plate when he was facing lefties um and you know hopefully the the name is fitting cannon you would like a a cannon behind the plate um it'll be a good competition for for him to have cal stark there as well um i i I'm a firm believer that you need two catchers that are, are both very usable and, and both competitive. Um, it's kind of one of those positions where you don't necessarily have to be the everyday guy to see significant playing time. Um, so hopefully those two will, um, have a nice working relationship, but, you know, I think it's clear that they're bringing in Peebles to be the stud that, that he was at NC state. Um, so that's a huge pickup. I know everybody, Wanted him, I believe it came down. Ben, you told me it was Virginia and Vanderbilt. So we beat out those two. And um, South Carolina. And South Carolina. So we beat out those three crappy schools um, to land a really good catcher. And then Sneed, the uh, the big hype around Mr. Sneed is the fastball has been up to 100. It's a power arm. Um, 
we'll see what what kind of role he fills here but it's never a bad idea to bring in very talented guys who can throw the baseball that fast um that's there's not there's not much more of a simple way you can put it than that so ex- excited to have him i know he was also fielding um plenty of of prospects that wanted his talents and you know certainly with burns uh leaving it's kind of nice to to immediately just add a, a power arm like that that you can um get in the program and develop and hopefully pull the rope the same way and um it'd be interesting to see kind of where he lands in terms of the rotation and the staff but certainly a nice piece to to add to the frank anderson um artillery yeah i'll start with uh peebles because frankly this is one i did not think tennessee would win um, i i just uh, for me every single program that is pretty much out there that's competitive wanted this kid as soon as his name got to the portal it was one of those that when when you're a freshman at a place like nc state which again probably should have won a national title a couple of years ago really unfair that it, that it worked out the way that it did that's a good program obviously and uh, he led that team in pretty much almost every offensive category as a freshman, uh, a, a catcher, a catcher who's a switch hitter who hit at least three thirty-three, I think, from both sides of the plate. Um, just, just absolutely crazy. I think on base percentage um, was was way up there too. I'm trying to look at it right now. Yeah, four fifty-six on base, slugged about seven hundred. Uh, he batted four twenty-six with runners in scoring position. He had a ten RBI game. Like, like this kid uh, to do that anywhere uh, that you're going to get attention to do it as a catcher. My God, like you're you're gonna. There's a reason why everybody wanted this kid, and he's originally a Virginia native, and Virginia. Um, had a catcher Teal who was leaving, and and it just sort of, to me, Virginia was a team that just kind of made a lot of sense for him. Um, but Tennessee put on a really good recruiting pitch and beat uh, Vanderbilt, uh, NC State. I'm sorry, Van, obviously NC State, but but Vandy uh, and Virginia and South Carolina and many others to get him. So that's that's huge. That's a position where we all know Tennessee needed, uh, you know, could have used another body and an upgrade and a, another. Cu- you know, at least another person to come in and compete with the guys currently on the roster. And if Stone Lawless, the freshman, comes in, like you've really sort of taken that position and bolstered it in a big way. And it's something Tennessee has needed, frankly, for a few years. And, and Tennessee has looks like it's finally gotten some kind of an answer here, uh, which is huge. And then the arm, I mean, Sneed is a just ho hum, another 100 mile per hour fastball for the arm farm. I mean, it, it, it's. You know, I tried to tell people, and I think we all did, uh, when Chase Burns left, that was the first time that, that Tennessee had had a player like that leave for what they thought were greener pastures. Like, they'd had players leave because they wanted playing time somewhere else, which makes sense, or they wanted to go closer to home, which makes sense, or there were personal reasons, which makes sense. Burns was the first one that it was like, what the hell is happening here? Um, that's weird. Um, but to, to answer that by in the day, like within 24 hours – of Burns, that news getting out there, Tennessee has added the best catcher in the portal and one of the strongest arms in the portal. So I don't know if the timing of this was specifically a response to that, um, but it sure as hell serves as one that that hey, th- this is th- th- this is still Tennessee, this is still an elite program, and there are still going to be some of the best players in the country who want to be here. So I think it's it's huge for Tennessee. It's two needs. Uh, it's, it's two high profile players, some of the better players in the portal, big news for the Vols. It is. And, and both freshmen, Ben, and both freshmen, by the way. Yes, that, that is a a huge aspect. Uh, you're getting both of these guys for two years. 
which is uh, incredible. I mean, that that's uh, Chase Dolander, uh, which Tennessee benefited from getting two years of Chase Dolander. Obviously, this year did not go according to plan, but you did get uh, the SEC pitcher for, for one of those years. Uh, I, I want to put a bow on Peebles, and then we can put a bow on uh, Sneed uh, to, to break up the conversation. But uh, w- with Peebles, the, the kid has just an – elite offensive profile uh he is he has so much potential uh in that bat he has power uh he, he's disciplined he, he's a big time competitor he he's he's a switch hitter which is huge as well uh and what was told to me is that 15 homers should be the floor in a full season of at bats uh the, the kid has a, a ton of pop uh in his bat uh and you know I, i'm really big and, and i say this a lot when discussing football recruiting uh, with, with Ryan Callahan or, or Jason Swain, <clears throat> excuse me, show me the schools that they picked your school over. And that tells me all I need to know. And Vanderbilt speaks for itself. Virginia speaks for itself. South Carolina speaks for itself. That That's all you need to know. And uh, the, the way it was worded to me earlier in the week was that Tennessee is is swimming with the Sharks for Cannon Peebles. Everybody in the country was in on him because, and it's, yes, Peebles is really good, but I think also, and this is an aspect that will people forget about with the catching position. It's so difficult to find a a catching prospect that is both good defensively and, and a big time bat. And when I say it's hard to find, it's hard for college teams to find yes. because the ones who the, – the catchers, at this level, everybody's going to be pretty good defensively. That, that That's usually a safe thing to say. Um, but to, to find one like Connor Pavoloni, who enough people do not give enough credit for how good of a, a talent he was, he's kind of, a, I think, an underrated aspect of that 19, 20, 21 teams uh, – he was kind of forgotten just because of who all else was was on the team. Um, but Pav had a really nice bat and was elite defensively. Uh, his defensive ability is why he, he was already in double-A to start the season uh, and, and now is working back from injuries. But those those type of guys coming out of, out of high school, they typically get scooped up in the draft, yeah. uh, which is why Tennessee's nervous about Stone Lawless coming up in the draft because the kid is – He's got a power arm behind the plate and a ton of power in the bat when he's swinging the bat at the plate. Uh, and those guys, because anybody who follows baseball knows that it's hard to find those true two-way catchers. And the ones that are really, really elite, what happens to them when they get to the big leagues? Oh, they should go play first base. They should be DH. They, they want to save their legs so they can get as much out of their bat for as long as they possibly can. Uh, so that that has played a role in why – Tennessee's catching position has kind of been a, a roller coaster the last couple of years. And, and Evan Russell filled in admirably, uh, not trying to, to discount what he did, but I'm more so saying Tennessee was in that position because guys get picked off by by pro teams. And obviously there's an unfortunate situation for Tennessee there where they go out and get a transfer and he chooses to take a year off from baseball. Um, but th- this kid, Will, is, is just an absolute stud. And, and it was – Probably the the biggest need, uh, I say probably, 
um, because I think Tennessee equally needs a shortstop. I, I think they, they needed a catcher and they needed a shortstop. Uh, and, and they've got their catcher, and, and this one is a, a real good one. Uh, not not a not a huge sample size behind the plate defensively, uh, but did not commit an error when when he was behind the plate last year. Uh, and the word is that he he's really sure-handed back there behind the plate with strong hands. So uh, he's going to be good at the plate, and with a larger sample size, he's probably going to be good defensively as well. Yeah, and the fact that he's a switch hitter is massive just for the balance of the lineup, kind of, you know, a switch hitting catcher who's really offensive kind of just sounds like a player you would create on MLB the show or something. Mm -hmm. It's just really hard to be um, both, which, you know, kind of speaks to what kind of prospect he is. Um, in terms of the value, I, I totally agree with your point, especially in professional baseball, um, just that position like if you look at the last few drafts, Henry Davis went number one from from Louisville um, as a very offensive catcher, and then before him, Joey Bart out of Georgia Tech was a big time bat from the catcher position. So you're right. The at the professional ranks, they just value an offensive catcher very heavily. Um, and you know, I I love Evan to death, and I thought he did a fantastic job. But he was a true outfielder, and you know, was pretty much a Gold Glove in left field. And you're so you're so strapped thin for catching. You got to go move a guy um, in his fifth year to a position he hasn't played. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a big need. I, I don't know how else to put it. It's a big need for the team, and they filled it. And good for them. I know all three coaches went and met with the kid, um, and you know, expressed to him that they really needed him. I think an underrated factor in that is Josh Elander was a stud catcher at TCU ran through the Braves organization at a horrible time when Brian McCann was in his prime, otherwise may have been, been a big leaguer. Um, also, injuries too, right? also dealt with, with shoulder surgery. Um, but he was the minor league player of the year as a catcher hit a ton of homers at TCU when it was the dead ball BB core era. Like nobody was hitting homers, but Josh Elander was. So I think that's a very easy sell to come get a catcher to work alongside Josh Elander, both behind the dish and offensively. Yeah, and and Wes, real quick before I, I dish you the ball, I, I just wanted to note in there to Will's point that, and Wes, you mentioned this earlier, and I meant to bring this up as well, Sneed, like he's been committed for several days now. It was just a matter of time when, when he was announcing. He, he visited last week. It went well. Uh, he's been committed for several days. There's another young man that, that's also been committed for several days who has not announced yet. Uh, but but will at, at some point, obviously. This one, I did not expect an announcement as as quick as, as they got one uh, because to Will's point, uh, they met with Peebles on Monday night. Uh, Monday night they met with Cannon Peebles. It was Tony V, Josh Elander, and I think another thing, Will, I completely agree with, with your take about Elander. And, and fans don't give Elander enough credit because they talk about Tony and, and they talk about Frank. Elander is damn good at his job. Damn good. And not just as a recruiter, but I, I wish people could understand and see the day-to-day -day work that he does with the catchers. And he he has made a couple of impossible situations manageable. Uh, and uh, he, he is terrific to, to work with if you are a catcher. But also, Wes, Frank Anderson being in that meeting was just as important, in my opinion, because 
the the catcher has to have as important of a relationship with Frank as the pitcher does. They're they're working with him just as much. So when when you have that trio kind of in your face and, and wanting you to come on and pull the trigger, that that's a hard thing to to say no to. And uh, I I was very surprised uh, Tuesday night when I'm laying on my couch at nine thirty and that commitment notification uh, popped up. Uh, because they were swimming with the sharks, like I said earlier, and they were in a great position. I didn't realize that it was almost done, but that that meeting on Monday night must have gone really, really well. Yeah, the, the catcher has to be sort of the the fulcrum of the whole thing, right? Like the centerpiece, the linchpin, because the catcher ha- has got to be engaged with obviously the offensive coaching staff, and because that's one of the nine everyday players and or eight everyday players, and you you got to be in the lineup and you got to be doing your job there. You also have to be locked in as anyone with the pitchers and with the pitching coach and. You know, by association, if you're talking to all those people, guess what? You're probably going to talk to your head coach a lot, too. Uh, The the catcher mentally is just such an immense role to play, and it is so much responsibility on one person's shoulders, everything that a catcher has to do within a team. So it's important that everyone be involved with the catcher. So I think that was a really smart move to bring every coach at the same time, basically, and sort of, you know, flood this kid with, with, hey, by the way, you're going to deal with all of us every single day, so let's all get along here. This is how much, this is how much we value you. And so I think that was... That was important, and plus that also uh, ticked a couple boxes because it was a right-handed power bat, which Tennessee, and a right-handed average bat, which Tennessee needed to. I mean, it was one person who fills a lot of roles. Um, so instead of I me, mean, look at even like LSU this season, won the title, was kind of alternating catchers, right? It had sort of more of the offensive-minded guy with, um, you know, the the human bar fight. Who, yeah, the the human bar fight who can talk. Uh, who just I freaking love that dude. He just looks like he'd wake up and want to hit hit somebody. And and then and then Malazzo was a decent hitter, but much more of a defensive guy. And, well, and, and so he, and he skipped his senior year of high school, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and enrolled early. So he was a little wet behind the ears as well. Yeah, and, and so they basically had to, you know, even good teams like you know Ryapel for Florida is a guy who is a good, you know, decent. Uh, he's why know, they player. made it as far as they but did. but he's also like not going to play pro ball. So I mean, because he wasn't a huge prospect in that way. So so it's it's really hard to find catchers in college who are, who can do all the stuff. And this kid, what he did as a freshman at a really good program and a really good conference, um, you could see why everybody wants him, and it's huge. And then and then with Snead, I mean, it's you know, it's it's again, I'm only going to bring this name up one more time, but it, it makes it makes the Burns thing feel even weirder because you're seeing one of the best arms in the portal badly wants to come to Tennessee and who has kind of, you know, it has, has a similar, well, at least the one that has the similar profile to Burns in terms of the velocity, the power arm. And, and it's like, if you're Tennessee, you're being like, okay, man, like we want you to stay, but like, we're going to be fine without you. And what do they, they prove that within 24 hours. That's a huge, huge deal. And, and these guys, I imagine Tennessee doesn't want them if they don't fit into the culture. I think Will could speak to this better than both of us could, but you know, Tony and that, and that crew, if you don't sort of fit in culture wise, you're not going to be very happy there. You know, there are a lot of, you can be a, you, you can let your freak flag fly, right? You can be yourself, but you gotta, there's some things that really aren't negotiable in that program. And you got to kind of get on to, to get along. And and I think that's, I think both of these guys, all three of them probably tick those boxes or else they Tennessee wouldn't want them. Yeah. And, and my final thought on, on Peebles before we really get in the sneed is I really like what this does for the, the catcher's room for Tennessee, the, the next couple of years as well. And, and 
I we talked about it post loss podcast, not not the Chase Burns podcast, but uh, I believe the the one we did last week. I think Cal Stark can play at this level. I do too. I really do, and I, I believe Will said that he agrees with that. Uh, he, he's athletic. Uh, he, he did some good things behind the plate, I believe. I, I think he's really good at framing pitches. I love his energy back there. I love the camaraderie that he has w- w- with the pitchers as well and, and with Frank. And, and I don't think he's going to be a 320 homers guy, but I, I I think he can be 250 with 10 jacks. Like I, I really do believe that. And, and going back to Will's teams, I, I thought, Will, your teams benefited from – Landon Gray and his production as, as kind of a, a number two catcher uh, and even a little bit of production from Jackson Greer as well as a, a number two catcher. Like you, you need that in this league because this league is so demanding. And I think I don't want to pigeonhole Cal Stark into automatically being the, the number two guy. Uh, would I expect for people to come in and start? Absolutely. But I, I'm not going to completely – it should be an open competition during the fall and going into the season. That That's how smart coaches operate. Um, and, and I think Cal Stark can still absolutely have a role on this team uh, and help. And I believe this is something that Will has talked about the last couple of pods. Like competition is is so great for a, a team. And no matter the sport, no matter the level, competition breeds success and uh, it helps iron sharpen iron, and that's what I think Cal Stark and Peebles can be for one another. Uh, Charlie Taylor, uh, I think Charlie's good enough to play defensively. Who knows? Maybe his his bat takes a, a step forward. Uh, and, and then also, like, I love the competition aspect. I also love now that there's no pressure for Stone Lawless to come in and, and contribute right away. He, he can come in, and it can almost be a red year, red shirt year of sorts, and I think that's huge to, to where you're not throwing a guy into the fire and, and them having to play immediately. And, you know, Tennessee's had some some real tough luck the last couple of years at the catcher's position. It's been more bad luck than them doing something wrong. In fact, I don't really think that they've done anything wrong. Um, I, I think the hope was that Ryan Miller was going to take mm-hmm. the, the torch from Connor Pavoloni, and it, and it just unfortunately has not worked out defensively. Uh, and then they but go man, out and, he can hit a baseball. Man, yes, he, he can. can hit a I baseball. would, I would have loved to see him get more at bats. But I mean, at Tennessee, it's just hard to get at bats because there's so many dudes. Um, but after that, you know, the the Matt McCormick kid who transferred from West Virginia decided to step away from baseball f- for the year or two. I believe he joined the police academy and then was playing at Vanderbilt in the NCAA tournament as a, a part of Xavier's team. Uh, and, and like as coaches, you can't control a kid just wanting to step away from baseball. Uh, and then this past season, they go out and add Jack Alexander from Austin P, and he decides to take random money from the Kansas City Royals as an undrafted free agent. Like Tennessee didn't do anything, and the Kentucky wrong. guy too. The Kentucky guy too. Yeah, but uh, they were in it more with with Jack Alexander actually committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kentucky kid, uh, Rhodes or something along those lines. He he never committed. So. I, I think as my ultimate point, Will, is that as bad luck as these last couple of seasons have been at the catcher's position, and, and they still honestly managed to get a little production, especially Evangier, out of some unfortunate situations, Tennessee's set up to go on a nice run here at the catcher's position because they'll have uh, Peebles for the next two years. Stone Lawless is a stud, and they've got some other studs coming in at catcher the next two or three years. They, they have two 
in this 2024 class uh, that will be seniors in high school this upcoming year. They have a Levi Clark kid from Georgia who who is a, a stud. Uh, and then the kid at Bearden, I'm blanking on his name off the top of my head. Maybe you know, Will, because I know your, your brother's playing in, in Knoxville uh, right now. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about, but I can't. I'm I, drawing a blank. I, I'm going to go find his name because I know exactly who you're talking about, too, but I forget he, his He's name. committed, and, and I, I believe he's a, a nice young player as well. And then you kind of look down the road, 25, 26. There, there's some big-time catcher prospects coming down the pike, and uh, that that's huge for a program where the catcher position – right, wrong, or indifferent has been frustrating the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and it's funny you brought up Landon Gray because that two-headed monster of him and Pavoloni in 2020, they were both hitting over 300 and multiple jacks each when the season got canceled, and it was kind of like we've got two really good ones, uh, so we're just going to roll with that. Also, one of the best human beings to ever step foot um, – on campus. I mean, just an unbelievable guy. So he was, he was great. Like you couldn't have a more perfect um, guy to tandem with Pavoloni. Um, but to your point about Stark, I mean, I said it last time, I, I love the kid and there's, there's plenty there tools wise. Um, he, he kind of got thrown in and got smacked in the mouth by sec pitching. And it's like kind of hard to fault him for that. Um, but the job he did with the staff, catching multiple upper nineties arms and, and the stuff that he was seeing every day um, defensively was just the emphasis. Right. And so now you go into fall camp and it's like, okay, you've got your feet under you um, behind the dish wise. We know you can do all that. You've got a good arm. Now go compete and see if you can um, take a step with the bat. Um, so I would really love to see kind of that two headed monster with, with Greer and Pav and with, um, Landon Gray and Pav, if if we could see like a Peoples and Stark two headed monster with, and kind of see who just wins the job, then that's when we're going to be at our best. Brooks Wright is the kid from from Bearden, by the way. That is, yes. and he is a very yes. very good prospect too. Like a yes. like a perfect game yes. All American, like a very very good player and a nice kid too. So I, I they have. I, they I, have I've cool. actually uh, interacted with the kid a little bit, so I, I feel bad for skipping on his name. But yes, he's a How very good prospect. You. How dare you? And shout out to Brooks Wright. He he interacts with me on Twitter quite a bit too. So shame on me uh, as as well. But Brooks Wright, Levi Clark in that 2024 class, those, those are two really, really nice young catching prospects that I know Tennessee is uh, excited about. As for Nate Sneed, the Wichita State transfer, uh, he could have gone just about anywhere in the country as well. Uh, that, that kid, uh, he, he can touch triple digits. Uh, has been up to 100 a couple of times, but typically sits mid-90s, uh, has a low effort delivery, uh, and, and is a big-time athlete. Uh, and, and he is just scratching the surface of his ceiling uh, is how it was worded to me. And again, we talked about it with A.J. Causey when looking at A.J.'s freshman year at Jacksonville State. Same for Nate at Wichita State in the sense that he he pitched a ton as a true freshman uh, and, and I don't care where or what conference you're pitching in to, to be relied upon as a true freshman and to to succeed. I, I think that is very, very telling. He, he's from South Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, so he talks funny. <laughs> probably, uh, which Drew Gilbert also talked funny. Um, but uh, he's 6'2", 200 pounds this past season, 24 appearances. Uh, he made one start. 
Uh, he went one and two with a three one six ERA and had three saves. Uh, and and will I kind of always look at the strikeout numbers? And he had fifty three and forty two and two thirds innings, which is really really good. Uh, and opponents hit two thirty off of him. So uh, AJ Causey, Nate Sneed, I'm not quite sure if if they're gonna be starting pitchers. Uh, Causey told me that Tennessee wants him to come in and, and compete to be a starter. Uh, I haven't yet been able to to get in contact with with Nate Sneed, uh, so not sure kind of what's been pitched to him. Uh, I'm sure that they'll tell him that they want him to come in and compete for the best role possible. If it's a starter, then it's a starter. Um, but I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, again, you're not going to replace Chase Burns, the individual, because he's a potential number f- top five overall pick in next year's draft. But Tennessee is still going to be fine on the mound with the nucleus that they have returning. And then also AJ Causey and Nate Snead. Th- those two additions are, are big. Yeah, I kind of think that maybe he could take over like a Halverson role um, or or a similar role that we saw Burns do if he wasn't uh, one of the three weekend starters. Um, but, you know, those are pretty good numbers as a freshman, and you always want more strikeouts than than innings pitched, especially if, if you're throwing that hard. Then if there's any sort of pitchability there, then you're going to miss bats uh, just just – by throwing hard and being able to mix and match. But it'll be interesting to see how he develops because the biggest jump for most kids in college is where he and Peoples are at right now, like from that freshman to sophomore year, um, especially in the fall. So it's a huge fall for both of them, just in terms of not just getting in a new program and and meeting the team and, and getting settled into a new apartment or whatever and getting into classes, all that sort of thing from a technical baseball perspective, this is where you see the biggest strides. So I don't want to pigeonhole either one of the kids. Um, Now I'm not saying people's is going to be the next Adley Rutschman, but you expect both of them to be significantly better than they were as freshmen, freshmen, because this is the point in your career where you kind of have your feet under you. You had a year of college. You should know how to go about your business. And it doesn't always work out this way. But just general rule of thumb, freshman to sophomore year is a huge jump. So the possibility for both of them to come in and be even better than we expect is right in front of them. Yeah, the the number that sticks out to me with Snead, and this is the number that just screams at me it just jumps off the page like if it if it could jump literally off the page it would is that this kid threw 43 innings as a freshman and he gets the fastball to triple digits and he allowed one home run uh in 43 innings he throws 100 he can throw 100 miles an hour he allows just 10 extra base hits and just one home run that is like even if wichita state plays in like yellowstone or, or, or like basically, you know, um, or, or Charles Schwab with the wind blowing in. Like even then, to throw that hard and to give up only one home run, um, you know, I don't know. Some scores are different from others, so batting average you can kind of it, it kind of wavers a little bit. But you know, the the batting average against is is a little maybe a tiny bit higher than you'd love it to be for for a top top guy. But uh, it's good. 
and uh, he's missing barrels. If he's not missing a lot of bats, he's missing a lot of barrels for sure because at that velocity, the ball with these decent BB core bats now should be leaving the yard more often, and it's not. And that, to me, uh, you're, you're going to pitch in, in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, those are great numbers because that's been the most amazing thing about the past couple of years for me is that Tennessee's been first last year in ERA, second this year in ERA nationally, despite playing in a ballpark where that should never be possible. It should not be possible to play in the SEC uh, and, and to have your home games at Lindsey Nelson Stadium and for you to lead the country and then be second the next year in ERA. It should not happen. It just shouldn't. And to add this kid who does not give up a lot of you know extra base hits with that velocity – to me, that looks like he just fits right in. He does, and, and Tennessee's not done yet. Not not in the sense of others are are imminent in terms of of commitments. Uh, and, and I did mention earlier that there is a young man who is committed and, and who has not yet announced. Uh, I'm speaking on the the pitching side of things. They're they're still working to add. Uh, obviously, Luke Coleman is somebody that we talked about on, on the last podcast. He's out in North Carolina right now doing the team USA thing, uh, with, uh, Drew beam. Uh, let's see if that, that can lend a, a helping hand and, and Holman's an absolute stud and, and would yeah. most definitely come in and, uh, make a push to, to start right away. And his dad spoke with hog sports, two, four sevens, Arkansas site. Uh, and he said that once team USA gets done with uh, on Thursday, tomorrow, uh, the final roster for the USA Collegiate National Team will be announced. Uh, he is likely to be a candidate for the team, uh, which they will play games through July 12th if he does make the final roster. Uh, but at some point, whether it's tomorrow or after July 12th, uh, once Team USA is done, Holman plans to to start taking visits. He, and again, he told Hawk Sports uh, that they're going to go to Arkansas, they're going to go to Mississippi State, going to go to LSU. Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. So uh, Tennessee swimming with the Sharks there and, and that one as well. But all, all the guys that Tennessee is going to be looking to bring in, whether it's high school guys or whether it's uh, transfers, they're going to be swimming with the Sharks. And they the, should, the, But they shouldn't be intimidated by that because they, they've no, been to Omaha not. twice in three years. They've won as many games as anybody the past three years. They ought to feel yep. like, listen, our park isn't quite what, what the others are yet, but it's getting there, and uh, yep. the team is there. No no doubt about it, uh, for sure. I completely agree with that. And I still think that Tennessee is going to have a really, really nice chance uh, with Luke Coleman. And if, if you can add Luke Coleman to A.J. Causey and – Nate Sneed and, and what you've got coming back on, on top of some big time high school arms that could help right away if they make it through the draft. Tennessee is going to be perfectly fine on the mound, which you should expect anyways under Frank Anderson and Tony Vitello at the plate. I still believe that Tennessee is in a good spot with Ryan Galaney, the Wofford transfer uh, who could potentially play third base, first base, could, could play uh, corner outfield. Uh, Billy Amick, the transfer from Clemson, uh, Tennessee's in it with that one as well. And I don't know that he's as much of a South Carolina lean as as a lot of people think. Uh, he He's going to arrive in Knoxville on Thursday for a visit. Uh, I believe he's going to Florida before Tennessee and Texas A&M after uh, Tennessee. Uh, and, and again, I mean, Tennessee is an attractive destination for teams or for players uh, right now coming out of the portal. So, you know, Tennessee has just as good a shot as anybody 
Uh, and Delaney's a, a kind of a corner infielder with a little more versatility than than Amick. Amick's probably more of a, a third baseman, but but I, can I, catch, but can catch, can for sure. But I I doubt now that he would be used as catcher when you have as much as many guys as, as they're going to have back there. He he's probably first base, DH, third base. Amick is, uh, and then Galaney is third base, first base, corner outfield, DH. Also heard some rumblings. If if maybe Zane Denton were to come back, maybe a, a little bit of second base uh, and, and maybe a little bit of Christian Moore uh, and in the outfield and um, and and Blake Burke, maybe testing a little corner outfield as well. Don't don't no offense to Blake Burke. I love me some Blake Burke. I, I love Blake Burke. Don't get it wrong, but don't don't know that. Uh, Blake Burke in the outfield will we'll go swimmingly, but I guess if there's an outfield that 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 you can play, it'd be Lindsey Nelson Stadium. I, I think they're just because they're, they're going to have so many great bats potentially. I just think they're kind of toying with things. Christian Moore, he has, I mean, in the first USA game earlier this week, he was playing right field, uh, so that there's no coincidence there. And and I I think Zane Denton is a good third baseman. I think he could be a better second baseman because I think the arm strength. Not that it's bad, but I think it probably suits second base more. So they're they're yeah. tinkering, and, and please don't take what I just said and, and run with it as the final say-so, and, and that's what's going to happen. But again, I just think because they're going to have so many potential options at the plate, they're, they're just checking off all the boxes and, and covering all of their bases, uh, pun intended. So so those are kind of the names to, to keep a, an eye out for uh, in the coming days now that You've got Nate Sneed on board. You've got A.J. Causey. Uh, you've got Cannon Peebles. Uh, a lot of the work has been done, but I, I don't think that they're close to being done uh, either. Wes, do you have any thoughts? You, you look very intrigued based off of what I just had to say, and I'm sure Heflin has some thoughts too. Yeah, I'll be quick about it. I I, I do like the idea of Denton at second base. I mean, he he's very, very sh- – you know, I, I think he's pretty sure-handed. He doesn't have a lot of range. Uh, and he doesn't have a huge arm. You know, he he had to get the, rid of the ball really quickly at third base, and he's usually pretty good at it, getting getting rid of the ball pretty quickly, as you have to do when you're not like Ahuna, who can wait, wait, and then sling it, you know, like, like Ahuna or Javi Baez can, just wait, wait, and sling it because you have the huge arm. He always had to get rid of it quickly. Uh, so he's he's serviceable at third base, but I think he he would be of uh, a better defensive player at, say, second or first. Um, you know, uh, Burke in the outfield, not really sure about that. Uh, but I've been wrong before. Maybe stick him in left and see what happens, because um, I, I feel pretty good about you know Tears being Tennessee's right fielder next season, um, and his arm is just absolutely elite. So I would like him there for sure. Um, and, and then Dryling, if he can kind of get more awareness and all that stuff athletically, he's great. He could maybe play center. And will they've got to find a way to and Ensley obviously Ensley obviously. Yeah, and that would be interesting if Simo plays center. I don't I don't know how the arm there would translate and maybe Inslee is better suited for a corner outfield spot he's also played first base in the past there's so many moving parts and and so many guys that could play different uh places I was gonna say Will I think they got to find a way assuming Reese Chapman has a nice summer and Mm -hmm. nice offseason like that's too talented of a kid to to not have in the mix somewhere somehow as as well I know it's I mean think of all the guys that we've just listed off I mean it's been about seven or guys or so for three or four spots. So I, I know it's a really hard task, but Chapman's too talented of a kid to, to let sit on the bench as well, assuming he has a nice off season. Yep. It's um, that's kind of how the fall should be anyways, just 
mix and match, see what sticks. I mean, you got three, four, sometimes five scrimmages a week, and they do a really good job of of throwing guys in in plenty of situations <laughs> and just kind of seeing seeing who develops where and who kind of takes ownership of a job. So, um, like you said, seven guys for three, four spots at most. That's the competition that you want. We keep going back to it, but it's true. It's important, and it'll ultimately be decided by the players. Um, and V just has to figure out the best spot to put them. But at the end of the day, you got to get your best eight sticks in the lineup and and figure out how to mix and match defensively to make that work. Um, I know defense is very important, but if you want to be on the field, hit. And if you don't, yeah, if, that, if you're not having four or five hard decisions to make, at least in the lineup on a consistent basis, you're probably not going to uh, be a team that competes for an SEC championship and a College World Series. Nope. Yep. And and dryling and tears, like they need to have good off seasons as well. You're you're not automatically owed something just because you have a nice set of tools or or look promising. And, and I expect those kids to to go out and have strong off seasons. Tears appears to be a a great young man. Dryling as well. I would be surprised if they didn't have a really good off season. So uh, a lot to be excited about on the offensive front, the the pitching front. I mean, th- this is. Uh, once again, going to be one of the best teams in, in baseball uh, next season. Uh, the, ma- the the question is how good, how great, how far can they go? Um, but I, th- this is the norm now. Tennessee's going to have a, a team that's up there with, with as good as anybody every single year under Tony Vitello and, and this staff because of their ability uh, to recruit. It, it's been a busy week for, for Tennessee baseball. Uh, I think Will's taking a, a picture of me, uh, maybe, which I, I don't blame him. Probably needs a, a new wallpaper. Uh, I, I probably look much better uh, than, than his current one. But um, you're that pretty. No, I just had a buddy send me the the text of uh, Sneed committing, and I wanted to be like way ahead of you. <laughs> I just sent him the picture. Of the you, don't, you don't even know, bro. You don't even know. Yeah, bro, that's so uh, old news. Uh, I, I love it, but I uh, do have a, a couple of uh, other things that, that we do want uh, to discuss. Uh, and, and also, I would say another bat to keep an eye on, and this is very, very interesting to me, Missouri catcher Dalton Bargo. Hmm. One to keep an eye on. I, I believe he's going to visit, so I uh, don't know if he has some position versatility. Um, but that, that that would be surprising to me if they took two catchers, but uh, certainly understand the aggressive nature at that position. I have some non-transfer things I want to discuss, and, and we will do that quickly following a break here on the Diamond Vols podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.
Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast. I'm Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker and former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin. Want to get to some of Tony Vitello's quotes and comments from a radio interview with John Wilkerson and Vince Ferrara on Sports Talk in the morning on 99.1, the sports animal here in Knoxville. And before we get to those comments, I uh, would like to encourage you, as always, to go like, rate, and review the pod wherever you get your pod. And, and speaking of podcasts, we're, you're, you're going to get three in three days. We, you got the Chase Burns reaction right when the news broke on Tuesday morning. That was in your feed and, and ready for your drive to work. Or if if you're already at work when, when you saw the pod on your way home from work. Uh, and then today, getting this reactionary podcast. And then we're actually double dipping. I mean, we're in like hour three of podcasting today. Uh, Will Heflin is is learning the 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 grind that it takes for for, for a, a media member to to make it. It's not just sit up in the press box and and type away stupid tweets and and irritate people with with thoughts and and just show up and watch games for free. It's a grind. Will Heflin, welcome to the podcast grind. We're we're back to backing because we had Camden Sewell on an earlier pod and and Wes what was that an hour and a half uh thereabouts yeah thereabouts with with commercial breaks and everything it'll be like an hour 35 something like that probably yeah and I, I told Cam like 40 minutes to an hour and we blew past that uh all four of us well the three of us love to talk Cam you, you kind of got to pull it out of him, but he was awesome. Uh, he he opened up his doors and and, and let us in, and uh, he was terrific. So be on the lookout for that podcast on, on Thursday morning. And uh, the goal up until football season is a guest a, a week, uh, and, and maybe once the portal and, and draft slows down, uh, maybe we can get two on here uh, as well. So uh, we haven't talked about who we're going to try to get on next week, but um, – We'll, we'll we'll get somebody. We, we we've got plenty of options. I I know a guy on this podcast who has plenty of contacts in his phone that that could help us out. I, I may let him pick the guest uh, for 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 next week. Um, but uh, I did want to discuss Tony's comments, as I mentioned, and we'll start with his comments on Chase Burns. Uh, we obviously recorded that podcast before the news broke and before Tony spoke. Uh, so do want to get his reaction to to his thoughts and. I, I don't know that there's a ton to react to Wes. Uh, he said it was pretty straightforward. We've kind of known that he would be gone for a while, but a good case to be careful about what you read on Twitter because, like I said, that's been pretty straightforward. This season went in a lot of different ways, and as coaches, we have to do what we think is best for the whole group and find a way to try and win games. I thought that was a very telling quote, and especially when – uh, you listen to the interview two questions later with John Wilkerson and Vince Ferrar. I believe it was Vince who asked how difficult it is to manage the transfer portal, not manage the transfer portal, but to manage baseball games and to manage a team with the way that the transfer portal is. And I thought his first couple of comments were were very telling as well. I don't think it's ever going to be fear as it relates to our group. So as we know, Tony's not going to make – decisions based off of individuals which is why he made the move to send chase burns to the bullpen and start andrew Lindsay. and i will say tony tipped his hat to, to chase burns uh he said he's going to take his effort somewhere else it's been a deal where he's done more than a lot for the program not just last year and of course this year too 
Uh, in the course of this year, he became the number one popular pitcher, maybe in the country, but definitely in his class. And he's probably ranked number one as a pitcher in his class at this point. But it's a different day and age, so he'll take those efforts on somewhere else, and we wish him the best. Very telling quotes from Tony Vitello. He said efforts. <laughs> that, was a, that was what I got stuck out to me. Normally people say take their talents. He yeah. said take his efforts. Yeah. So the talent will stay. But but there is not going anywhere. But the efforts the efforts are going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little little jab there. No, Love I, it. I I think that that it is very obvious to anyone. I think, and there are people who are much closer to the situation than I am. But I I I think I am just close enough to understand that this was not at all an amicable thing, and that's okay. That's life. Um, but but I don't. I think there are some. There's some bitterness, I think maybe is the right word on both sides of this. And it's unfortunate that it had to end this way, but it did. Uh, that's the way that 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 uh, Burns and his people wanted it to go. So so they're 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 getting what they want. And I, I think it's um those are nice comments from Vitello because it's obviously something he's not thrilled about. Um, but you know, there's no good that comes from saying that publicly. So you just come out and say, you know, wish he'd stayed, wish him the best. I mean, that's all you think. Thanks for what you did, and good luck down the road. You know, we'll see you. That, that's the only thing that you can really say as a coach there. Any thoughts, Mr. Heflin? Are you ready to move on from Chase Burns as well? Yeah, I got I got nothing. Uh, VFL card has been revoked, <laughs> but we uh, we wish him the best in his efforts elsewhere. And that is unfortunate if he get if he like gets hurt or something before he ever throws a pitch at TCU. I mean, that, that, I don't think that that representatives and agents and people think about things like that. Like, you know, that kid if something had gone wrong would never have to worry about getting a job in this community ever as a nice as a as a decent fallback option and but if you burn bridges then that's that's gone. Yeah, we'll we'll keep it at that. Uh, he and his purple TCU glove that he uh, purchased in, in Omaha can can make its way out there uh, with him. Uh, I did want to get your thoughts on the stadium, though, uh, Mr. Heflin, as it was just announced as we're recording that, that Andrew Lindsay is an All-American. Congrats to, to Mr. Lindsay, uh, baseball All-American 13. So that that's big time. I, I, I hate that one of the – it's a positive and a negative. One of the, the negatives that I hate about the transfer portal era is that we only get Griffin Barrett for a year. We get Andrew Lindsay for a year. Uh, and, and there's football players and, and, and basketball players as well that, that they're only here for a year and then kind of keep it moving because they only have one year of eligibility or, or the draft. And, and even Maui, man, like say what you will about the kid. He, he was – really nice to me very respectful his teammates seem to to really really like him just, just look at the posts on on social media and and social media is very telling look on instagram they're, they're posting videos posting photos of him commenting on all his stuff he he was well liked uh maybe some some and, had and issues. productive and productive yes just because he doesn't come in and hit 450 home runs doesn't mean that he's bad and, and should be benched but at at the world series as I was walking off the field to, to go talk to Camden for a story, Maui stopped me and, and said, thank you. And, and he didn't have to do do that at all. But I, I think it is telling of, of who he is. And, and uh, I I don't think the, the beginning of the season played out in his favor for things that were out of his control. And I was glad to, to see that uh, end on a positive uh, note. But ultimate point is, is that I hate that we only get to experience Lindsay and, 
uh, guys like that for for a year because those would be guys that I'd love to cover for. They're they're the Camden Souls, the Will Heflins that you love covering for three, four, five seasons. Jared Dickey, um, but congrats to to Lindsey uh, on being named an All American. Will, I know you had thoughts on renovations to Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Tony was asked about that uh, as well, uh, and kind of breaking ground and and whatnot. Uh, he, he said that they will start here at next month. Uh, and from my understanding, what they're going to do this offseason, they're going to extend the seating down the left field line and, and get rid of those temporary bleachers and the right field player entrance and also recruit entrance because they absolutely despise the front of Lindsey Nelson Stadium and, and bring the recruits in through the right field gates. Uh, I, I believe that's going to become more of an actual entrance than – uh, a chain link fence uh, that is practically open with some nice with some nice rose bushes though. Yes, with, with some nice rose bushes that I know that you appreciate. Uh, so it's just kind of a, a gradual uh, process. Tony said we'll benefit from uh, the generosity uh, and the administration being aggressive uh, on the construction stuff. We'll benefit from that this summer as a shovel will actually go in the ground. Uh, I've talked, we've made renovations, and we've had upgrades. The easy one to look at is the porch, but this will finally mean turning this thing into an actual stadium, a complete, well-rounded stadium, an entrance our guys can walk in that is covered and is a true entryway, have a park that is closed off and is more, much more secure, which in the middle of the season, they had somebody break in and steal a, a bunch, bunch of, of merchandise. A bunch of hats. A bunch of hats, yeah. Yep, and, and alcohol as well. Um it's exciting in August when we start things, it, it's going to be piecemeal. We do want the consistency to stay of the stadium in the same vibe, which is the hornet's nest he's always talked about. So when I say piecemeal, I just mean more. This section will be completed this year. And then after next season, more work will be done. And then after that next season, more work will be done as well. So it's a gradual process. It's probably going to be the, the next three summers, or so uh, I expect an official announcement on the stadium here in the next week or two at some point uh, in the coming weeks. I think Tennessee will put something official out. Uh, there's been stuff on, on Twitter from, I guess, important board meetings about the approval of like a hundred million dollars uh, that, that will go into Lindsay Nelson stadium, not including the dorm behind it or, or everything. Yep. That's more of a university thing. And I believe the plan is still to, to have that baseball turf field on the bottom of it. Uh, Lindsey Nelson Stadium, it, it has a, a long ways to go to, to catch up to the other stadiums in the league, Will. And by the time they get it looking good, they'll, they'll still have to play catch up because all the other schools will – I mean, you're looking at Vanderbilt and Auburn. They're already making – adding on to what they already have, Arkansas. But, man, it's going to be real cool here in five years to to see what Lindsey Nelson Stadium is going to be. And, boy, is it exciting to think about what postseason baseball in that environment is going to feel like. Yeah, and you have to kind of piecemeal it because you're not just building a, a brand new stadium at a separate site, kind of like Kentucky did or something like that. I mean, we are a little bit landlocked, um, but just from the the renderings and drawings, it looks like it's going to be awesome. And they certainly had to get a shovel in the ground this year because you keep pushing that thing back. And uh, I just have nightmares thinking about, you know, if, if he were to get frustrated um, with, with little to zero progress being made, that there were, there's some other athletic departments that would make it happen extremely quickly. So it's good that they are making it happen. It's well-deserved by the coaching staff and the players that helped 
um, get to that point because if you aren't winning like we are, then the university is not going to make that investment. But, you know, the other side of that coin is the fan base packing Lindsey Nelson Stadium week in and week out makes you need something bigger. I mean, they forced it by showing up, by rooting really loud, by having to throw a block party for Super Regionals because the stadium's not big enough. They kind of forced forced the hand, and now they're going to get something nicer and something that's easier to recruit with, brings more people to the baseball games. It's It's certainly an arms race around the conference, and we have a lot of ground to make up, but the stadium can be really nice and is – nice for what it is it just needs to it needs to get a facelift like like what they're doing and bring more people and win more games and it kind of all snowballs together yeah i I think for for me what's super important is is not just like the size of the stadium because that that's you know that's always obviously something you want but i think the vibe and the feel of the stadium is going to be really important because Tennessee, at the end of the day, where that stadium is, you're landlocked. There's only so many people you can pack into that place. You can go keep building up and around and try to find different ways to do it. But because you're in an urban university in a metro area of a million people, you're not going to have a lot of space to go unless you go across the river and build something new. So what they have to do is work with the, the land they have. But within that, I think if you make it really nice – What's really nice is the fans are right on top of it. That is a really cool vibe. And and Vitello, every time he talks about it, he says he wants that hornet's nest kind of to stay where it is. And that's important because if you build around, you can put even more people around the stadium right on the field and make it much more festive for your guys and much more problematic for your opponents. And, um, but with that, I don't, I think when I talk about how nice it is, you also need to make sure you have like the, some of the luxury boxes and things like that, because those are the things that will one, make you money throughout the year. And two, they really, really help with the NCAA when it comes to regional and super regional sites, those things matter quite a bit. And, uh, Tennessee never again needs to be in a situation where a place like Southern Miss gets a super regional over you in part because they got a few more luxury boxes in their stadium that should never ever ever happen at tennessee and the fact that it did happen to tennessee should frankly i think embarrass the the administration a little bit and and by that i mean kick them in the rear to get that thing fixed because you have a program that is far exceeding the facilities that you have for it right now Uh, you have got to play catch up you've got to put a shovel in the ground as will said you've got to show that to Vitello, you've got to show that to your fans, to recruits. You have to put shovels in the ground, and you have to make it look noticeably different each time you piecemeal this. If you're going to piecemeal it, it needs to be noticeably different after you're done every time because you have to keep showing every day where Vitello's office is, where he looks out. He needs to see that every day because that guy has been very, very loyal to your program, very, very loyal. Uh, he has turned down opportunities to go elsewhere where they have nicer facilities. Uh, he's won at a high level. He loves being at that university. They absolutely have to take care of him. They have to do it now. And when I made those comments throughout the year about how quickly they needed to fix this thing, I did get a lot of messages behind the scenes about, listen, just be patient. The board only meets once a year. It's right after the baseball season. The board's going to approve this. The plans are in motion. It's going to happen. It's going to start happening in this offseason. I said, okay, well, uh, you better hope that's the case because this is what you're going to need to do. And I think it's good that they're doing that because 
you you really could build something that sustains itself here. Like you could build a perennially strong, powerful, well-supported program that looks great on TV when you're watching it also. And, and from my understanding, there, there's been a, a level of patience on Tony's side of things as well. I, I don't, He's frustrated because he wants it now, but he's yes. not frustrated because a lack of Tennessee doing this or, or, or doing that. Like everything's going to be taken care of, and, and it's it's not the current administration's fault, and I know that's not at all what you're saying. It's it's the several previous administrations for allowing baseball to fall so far behind. You just can't snap your fingers in it and it all be done at once, and it's hard to get construction equipment and, and you know, the – certificates and all the fancy terms city city codes county codes state codes that takes time yes it takes time and and tony's frustrated because he wants it now Uh, you know we all know tony's personality but i i don't believe he's frustrated with with tennessee and in that regard and and my last thought on the stadium is that it doesn't need to be 10,000 12,000 13,000 like some of these other stadiums it it can be and it sounds like they're going to reach the 6,000 to 7,000 range. And to me, that's perfect. It, it doesn't have to be a, a million people. Uh, and, and it almost needs to be like Auburn basketball. I, now I think Auburn basketball should have more seats than, than what they actually have. I think they went too small, um, but there you want, you don't ever want a game, especially when your team is good to, to, to where the stadium is, is empty. Uh, the, the, the 6,000, 7,000, maybe 8,000 range. I think is is exactly what Tennessee needs, and will absolutely uh, make that Hornets Nest vibe even better. The last topic on the way out the door is his comments on the NIL, and it's it's a, a pretty short, sweet, and to the point quote, Mister Heflin. It's uh, NIL, as I mentioned, and he was asked about how much NIL is a factor for recruits, uh, and Tony flat out said that. Uh, if if it's the number one category, we're just not going to get them. I'm not trying to tell you we're the moral compass. We certainly have as good of a fan base as anybody. We can sit 105 in one stadium. Could we get better in that area for our kids? I'm willing to bet it's like any situation. It's SEC, and if you can compete, then you probably need to keep doing better or you'll get eaten up by the Sharks. But a lot of the stuff you see out there, you have to be careful what you read. There's a lot of things that are dramatized or maybe numbers kind of added on or fibbed on and things like that. It's a hot topic. Once we can uh, one, we can talk about for a long time. We're not necessarily going to make it a priority for us to win those battles in order to get recruits. But I do I do know that that stuff goes on and it's kind of shocking how in your face it is. So uh, contrary to popular belief, especially to those outside of Knoxville, if if Will Heflin, if you're a recruit sitting back like you are right now in Tony Vitello's office and first thing out of your mouth is is NIL, then you're not going to be prioritized. And I thought it was cool. He actually shared a really cool story about Reggie Crawford, who was at Connecticut last year. And you want to talk about studs. Reggie Crawford is an absolute <sighs> yeah, stud. Two-way yeah. player, first baseman, lefty on the mound, touches triple digits he's already off to a really nice start in his professional career in the minor leagues i i think he's up to high a already he said that and reggie crawford committed to transfer to tennessee if he didn't get first round money obviously he got first round money and and left Uh, but he said reggie crawford sat uh, in his office and said coach don't even worry about talking about it if i wanted money i'll sign in the draft i thought that was a cool story but I, i like that 
NIL is important. It absolutely is. And, and Tennessee is a place where it can use it to its advantage. But the moment you start making decisions based off of NIL, that's when things start to go wrong. Yeah, it's just really hard to keep promises kind of kind of similar to playing time with with NIL. And it's just not his it's not in his nature. I mean, he would he wouldn't be mad at me for saying this. Vitello was not the most talented player, much like myself. Um, he was very hard nosed and blue collared as a player. And I feel like the NIL stuff is kind of just against his his natural um, personality. But he also knows how important it is in the current scope that he's going to deal with it. But, you know, deep down, he just hates it. Like, it's just an extra thing for him to deal with and have to worry about. Um, and so that that answer, you know, doesn't doesn't really surprise me at all. And I, I kind of agree with him in that if that's the main thing for a kid to come to your school, then he may not be in it for the right reasons. And he may cash that check and and not put in the effort that that is required of him. Or as soon as things go badly, it creates animosity among the team, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's just a lot of there's just a lot of issues with it that are unavoidable. But you know, I think what he's trying to say is we're going to avoid as much of that as we can by, you know, certainly trying to make life good for our athletes while also maintaining the dynamic that a college baseball team traditionally has and make it not feel completely like professional baseball. Yeah. I think that the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that, that irritated Vitello and, and he, he didn't really discuss it publicly much, I don't think, and not even really all that much privately, but, but it was known that, that what infuriated him during the, the Maui Yahuna drama was that people thought the kid just like got a bag and that's why he went to Tennessee. And that's why there was an issue there and that was not the case. It was like a recruiting visit kind of thing that was the issue. Like Ahuna could have made more money going elsewhere, flat out. He just could have. And that's why I think Vitello was infuriated throughout that whole thing because, yes, Tennessee did have a little violation. It did do something it shouldn't have done. But it wasn't like money-related, really. And and, and so that, that really bothered him. And, um, you know, if you get into the, the NIL stuff, you're not going to outspend LSU – you're not going to outspend AM. And there are probably a couple others like Texas when it comes to the league. You're just not going to financially just outspend them consistently because they're, they're, that's just, it's just not going to happen. The, the, the cultures at those places with baseball, you're just not going to do it. You're just not going to do it. So if you do that, you got to be then careful because then if you say, okay, we're only going to have like two or three guys a year who really get a bag and we're going to make sure those guys are great and yada, yada. Problem is there everybody else is going to know what everybody else is getting or close to it. And if those guys are not absolutely performing at an elite level, there will be animosity in that clubhouse. There absolutely will be. Uh, it's not like where in football, like if the quarterback, you know, gets more than everybody else, they're like, okay, he's the quarterback, whatever that sucks, but it's life in baseball. It's not really like that. Like if you're, if you're getting a lot less than somebody else is and you're outperforming them, you're going to have a problem. So, it would be nice if people did not know how much everybody else in the team made. Like it would be ideal if they would never talk about it and it never got out there. Um, but that's never going to happen. So you have to then be careful that if you're not 
so you don't want to have two or three guys that are just making a huge bag and everybody else is just kind of nibbling. Yeah, that can that can lead to a situation. So I, I think the answer for Tennessee is probably the reason why Vitello said what he said. Like they have to be very careful about how they do this. And, you know, they're kind of talking a little bit about what Saban used to in, in football. Like, hey, we're we're gonna we'll get you money on the back end. You know, we'll we'll get you drafted, we'll get you a lot of money there, and we'll we'll get you taken in the first couple rounds of the draft where nobody's going to touch that um so that that's the thing and you also have to be smart about situations like you know zane denton where you might be able to give somebody a better nil deal than they maybe their rookie contract would have been if they went in the draft like you can kind of get an extra year from some guys in situations like that so it's uncharted territory for everybody tennessee's not going to outspend like lsu a&m texas they're they're just not going to do that so they're going to have to find different ways to do it, while at the same time, Vitello needs to kind of grit his teeth and bear it and say, listen, yes, please give money to the NIL people. <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want it to be about that. He's also not stupid. Like he's One of his best traits as a coach is he's younger and he's very young at heart, and he understands players and what they're going through and the, the lay of the land. So kind of a long-winded answer there, but I think – you see exactly why Vitello said what he said and, and how he said it. Yeah, and and even the Maui Ahuna situation caused issues this year, and not not in the sense that Maui did anything wrong. It, it caused issues with some teammates who have now left, who saw things on social media and thought Maui was getting something, when in reality, Maui wasn't getting the NIL that everybody thought that he was. And it was it was proven time and time again uh, to to some of the teammates, and I I, th- I think those teammates were were a little surprised. So uh, it, it's I, I'm glad I'm not a college coach because it, it's just an absolute headache to to deal with while you're and, recruiting. Like while you're recruiting too, it's just correct. everything is crazy, absolutely nuts and and on fire. So um it, it's a it's a delicate balance and, and and like i said i mean they had to deal with it this year um maui Ma- i like the more we the further we get away from the season the, the more and more i feel bad for kind of how maui's season went because he continually got more criticism than he deserved uh some of his teammates kind of resented him because of how much nil money they thought he was getting because of incorrect rumors and, and comments on on Twitter, uh, so and like I said earlier, Maui's a, a good kid from from my understanding and and uh, from from the outside looking in, and he'll be just fine uh, moving forward if he can cut down on the strikeouts, which he, he will need to do at, at, at the next level. And, and I lied; there was one other comment that I wanted to bring up um, because it ties into uh, this past season and, and some of those dealings that they had to deal with. Uh, Tony said, and I really liked this quote, uh, and this should really excite Tennessee fans and and former players like yourself, Mr. Heflin. Uh, He was asked uh, what it means to the program to make it to the Men's College World Series for the second time in three years. And uh, in typical Tony Vitello fashion, kind of went, uh, took a scenic route uh, and answered it in a different way. He said, while this year was a windy road, it ended up being a successful one. And like I said, I'll look back on it. I don't know how many years I'll be on Rocky Top, bring on as many as possible. But if it's however many, a decade, 20 years, this year will end up being the most valuable year 
because of lessons learned. The new landscape of college baseball, the new landscape of our program combined, and at the same time, we had a lot of success doing it and did something we haven't done before. Uh, you bring it up as a compliment to the program. There's been a lot of firsts since we've been on campus, but there's still a lot of firsts left to accomplish. So it's kind of a nice combination out there right now. There were headaches that Tennessee had to deal with all season that they are now moving on from that I think the the returning players, the coaches are refreshed. They're excited to move on. And over the next couple of seasons, I, I do think that what they had to deal with this season because in hindsight it's actually remarkable how far they went and how much success they had given all that they were kind of dealing with behind the scenes and, and some of the headaches but and even though this year turned into a successful one there for a minute it was not going to be a successful one uh and, and even though it was successful at the end of the day the the team and the program as tony perfectly described is going to be much much stronger moving forward because of the lessons learned this season. And I think, I think I mentioned this earlier in the week on the chase burns podcast. I, I think that Tony and the coaches and some big time returning players like a Christian Moore and a drew beam. I think they are already absolutely fired up to get back to work and turn the page the next season and get next season going. Yeah. I think, I think they'll use it as momentum. And when you kind of think about what he's saying, both internally and externally with the landscape of college baseball right now, it's like, dang, man, life, life kind of comes at you fast when you're, when you're sitting in his shoes um, with, with NIL, with the way 22 went and just the, the dynamics of his team and the up and down of, of the season. I completely agree with him. I'm sure he, you know, feels like he learned a ton um, about himself and about his program. And I think, everybody who watched learned a ton just about baseball and, and the way seasons can kind of shape and, and take the, the scenic route, like his answer maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think I kind of like the part where he says 20 years, it'd be nice to see him here that long because if he is here that long, then I think multiple national championships are, are a uh, outcome of that. But um, it's uh it was, for, for everything that went on to end the season where they did, looking back on it a little bit more removed than fresh off the LSU loss, it just kind of sinks in even more that, wow, they really overcame even more than we probably know um, to get to that point. And I think I think it will certainly springboard them into a extremely competitive 2024 where the expectations are going to be awfully high, but – maybe there's a little more symmetry from the get-go, um, which you hope that they deal with adversity at some point because you need it as a baseball team. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him win another 50-piece next year. Yeah, I think I can be pretty brief about this. There's a reason why I wrote the column that I wrote the night that they lost to LSU the second time. Um, and, and that was that I think the way fans – ultimately view this season and the way Vitello ultimately views this season will never be the same and that's okay um, but but I think Vitello came out and said it like it, it, this meant the season meant as much to him as anything getting to where they did and overcoming what they did because there was always kind of something behind the scenes and lessons learned and all that and that's why I think like the perception from a lot of fans who only saw that number two ranking, 
going into the season and saw nothing else. To them, the season that we all just saw was a disappointment. It fell short. And, and that's okay. If you're going to be a fan, you have every right to your opinion, and that's totally fine. Um, but the but the the way that Vitello saw is his reality, his truth is what that team came through. That team never should have been ranked number two going into the con- in the country going into the season, replacing eight guys in the everyday lineup. It's just insane. Every position player was different. Um, they had some issues with some other things that we've talked about ad nauseum and don't need to talk about anymore, uh, and maybe a couple other things that popped up along the way. Just just nagging issues, right? Like I know at times we even had like. You know, Christian Moore was not healthy for a good bit of that season and kind of played through it, had to manage it with some things and just wasn't feeling great. So there are a bunch of things going on, and I think that's why I wrote what I wrote because it, it just seems like the way Vitello ultimately views this season and the benefits that will come from this season with lessons learned moving forward and getting to Omaha despite having to learn all those lessons uh, was a pretty big accomplishment. And, and I think that's... That's why this season will probably always mean more to him than it did to other people outside the program, and that's okay. I think you were spot on. And I do think that fans, with the way the last couple of days have have gone, have started to come around to the notion of, dang, maybe this season is something that should be appreciated given all that they had to to go through. So uh, it's it's been a fun offseason just within a week, been a a very busy offseason off season, you should now have uh, at least by mid morning on Thursday three podcasts, three Tennessee baseball podcasts uh, to get everything you need to know about Tennessee baseball in your head. The only place you can get that is at GoVols247.com. So uh, you, you've got three podcasts to listen to, plenty of, of stories up on the site, plenty of more stories to come on the site as well and uh, we're not going anywhere we're, we're going to have some more players on this thing as well like i mentioned uh, camden Sewell's podcast is coming out on thursday morning be sure to check that out cam was awesome hef was awesome uh, those two guys have a, a really cool relationship and and you could certainly tell uh, in listening to those two two guys chop it up so uh, hef appreciate your time today my friend and uh excited to, to keep hammering some of these things out because tennessee baseball and it's all season is not slowing down anytime soon no, sir. It's been good so far, and I assume the momentum will carry on forward. Thank you both. Uh, go Vols. Talk soon. Wesley, thank you, sir. Anytime, Ben. You know that. He's Wes Rucker and Will Heflin. I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. There's that button. And now I can say, Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.